Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Tio. Well, howdy, partner. My name is Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. Hannah. Hail and well met. This is Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. And Kyle. Ahoy, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying something new. (laughs) I appreciate that y'all are mixing it up, keeping it fresh. As we yep. get into the, the 50s here. I am lost in the uncharted <laughs> waves of otherwhere. Sailing the theaters. You know, I hadn't planned a pirate theater, but I might have to go there now. Sorry, I've just Feeling made inspired. one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Last time, Constance returned to the realm of the living with an assist from J.R. and Pax. After sharing the revelation about her mother's plans to reach the hereafter, the pair set to work preparing to take on the Cabal. Constance raided the armory while J.R. enchanted both her gun and herself with radiant energy. Meanwhile, a somewhat disoriented Morgana welcomed Alvin back to the fog-swept misty repose. She explained that for the Cabal to succeed in its plans to break the seals of magic, they would need three things. An abundance of raw magical energy, a conduit through which it could be channeled, and a highly skilled sorcerer. Unable to aid you herself, she recommended you seek help from the Wishbringer that had originally participated in the sealing. The Contrarian better known to you all as Dorian. As the morning of the VR unveiling arrived, the studio crew was awakened by a group of unwelcome visitors, a demolition crew sent to enforce the City of Firmament's condemnation notice. As you all proceeded to escape out the back, Constance got the first taste of her doom in the form of a wrecking ball tearing through the rear wall of the studio. The rear of the studio explodes inward with a devastating crash, followed by the groan of timber and screech of metal as bits of wall slough off. A haze of dust and drywall fills the space, coating your mouths and lungs as panic erupts amongst the Daylight Society. The front door creaks and then buckles as it's kicked in by the lead jumpsuited man. The clipboard in his hand melts and transforms into an elegant-looking rapier as he leaps inside, the others fanning out behind him. Before we jump into the action here, this is a pretty bad situation. Would either of you like to read it? I will. That's a nine. On a seven to nine, hold one. I'm gonna, You know what? I'm actually going to ask what's most vulnerable to me because I think that actually answers the best way out as well. Constance, I think the wrecking ball is probably most vulnerable to you. Obviously, it's dangerous, but it moves slowly, and the operator, presumably, I don't think you can see them sort of amidst this bedlam, this pandemonium, but if it's a standard wrecking ball, you know, the operator is just going to be sort of in a a cabin, and as long as you can reach them, uh, you should be able to take that down pretty easily. These other folks are prepared for for hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Uh, I think I turn around, obviously I turned around when I saw these people walk into the apartment i think i am going to do two things i'm gonna take one of the daggers out from my wrist thing and just with the knowledge i gained from the book i read on how (laughs) how to mimic your favorite mma fighters a guide for the common street dancer hey uh, quick question in which mma fights do they use knives (laughs) how to <laughs> in in the, the book. best ones, the <laughs> ones that aren't on TV, obviously. Obviously, okay. It's mixed okay. martial arts Smart and ass. knives. It's M M M A K Mac. 
is the the Mac. The Mac is where the they Mac. use the the knives. <laughs> you know what? Um, yes, in in the the great book, the art of Mac, Japanese stunt doubles story of fight, flight, or fierceness. I have used the knowledge that I gained in this book of how to okay, throw daggers. Who's the author of the Japanese stunt double story of fight, flight, or fierceness? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Fumio Demura. Okay. I know nothing about this person. If there's anything problematic, it is entirely... This is Wikipedia's fault for making him come up first. But he is a well-known Japanese master of karate... And traditional weaponry. Okay. So remembering the WikiHow style drawings in the book of how to throw knives, I take it, I throw it head on at the eyeball of the individual in front of me with the rapier. And then without even looking to see if anything happened, I turn around, turn on my flamethrower and start walking towards the wrecking ball saying like, everyone go. I'll handle this. Okay. Give me a roll to kick some ass. Dang it. So I had a whole book thing for nothing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know how much restraint it took for me to not mention that halfway through. <laughs> well, you know what? Oh, Gwen. <laughs> Quinn, well, you, you know what? scam. Poop to scoop. That's a nine. Excuse okay. me. What was that? Poop to scoop? Poop to scoop. <laughs> it's like sucks to your asthma. No, it's a Kanye lyric. Is it? No, he said something else. Is this is not based on the Kanye poops, song. Poopity scoopity? Poopity scoopity is different from poop to scoop. Ah. On a seven to nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's an homage to. It's not. <laughs> on a seven to nine, you trade harm as established. So, Constance, you hurl this, this knife at this advancing figure and it strikes them in the chest and they stagger a little bit as you you sort of turn away with your flamethrower and you get about three paces before you feel a sharp pain in your side and you see the blood-soaked tip of a rapier blade protruding out from your stomach and you're going to take two harm. Except I'm going to go ahead and use my it wasn't as bad as it looked move. Okay. In which you case- wanna- Remind folks, aka folks or me, uh, what that yes. move does. <laughs> Once per mystery, you may attempt to keep going despite your injuries. Roll plus cool. On a 10 plus, heal two harm and stabilize your wounds. On a 7 to 9, you may either stabilize or heal one harm. On a miss, it was worse than it looked. The keeper may inflict a harm move on you or make your wounds unstable. Okay, give me a roll okay. plus cool. So that is a seven, but it is only a seven by the grace of God that I have a high cool rating. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would have been very bad. Okay, so uh, I'm going to heal one harm because I am stable. Okay. How is this not as bad as it looked? It's a flesh wound. <laughs> it's but a flesh wound. No, I, I think that I would assume I'm ready to like get down today, right? So I assume that I have like some padding, some stuff going on. That like okay. maybe it penetrated. So you have some makeshift armor, uh, not enough to provide like you know actual character armor, but you have some like makeshift armor, and uh, it strikes one of those plates or or padding or, or whatever you have there. I put a uh, dinner the plate blade. in my back. 
Yes. Uh, and so the blade, mm-hmm. uh, instead of going sort of right through your gut, kind of just pierces your flank. And so it winds up only doing one harm. Sweet. Jer, what are you doing? So Quinn, what I would like to do is, is it barring a place or a portal or trapping a specific person when I've used the barrier before? I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So what okay. are you trying to accomplish here? I would like to keep them at bay while we escape out the hole. Okay, I think bar a place or a portal to a specific person or type of creature makes sense. You're barring this condemnation crew yeah. uh, from pressing further on. So I, I'm going to try and do that. Okay, because... give me a roll to use magic. Because right now I would kind of like all of us to stay alive because I figured the lab is going to be bad news. Nine. On a seven and nine, it works, but there is a glitch. Okay, well, I think everybody here knows that time is of the essence. I don't think anybody's going to be dawdling or dithering or doing whatever they want. So I think it's that it is of a short duration. This is hopefully enough time for us to, like, get the fuck out of there and run away. You say this as Leon is taking his time trying to frantically pull every little piece of red yarn (laughs) from his murder board. Uh, Leon, leave it. I will help you with another murder board. JR, this is irreplaceable. We can rebuild it. We can't rebuild. Leon, just take the fucking murder board with you. Leon rips the whole thing off. He rips the whole thing off of the wall and starts folding it up. He's like, we'll never recover from these creases. (laughs) They're war wounds. Um, JR, you throw up this barrier. Um, Constance and this lead person, this lead jumpsuited individual, are both, they're they're pretty tied up. They're Uh, They're both going to wind up on the same side of this barrier. Uh, Do you want Constance on your side or Constance on their side? Everybody else, except for this motherfucker right here, is on the other side of the barrier. That's how that goes down. (laughs) JR, you throw up this barrier and catch Constance and this lead invader on your side, but block the other four, you know, a third of the way into the studio. Mm -hmm. As you throw up this barrier, the Daylight Society members are piling out of pretty much every exit that they have access to. Some Mm -hmm. folks are going out like the windows. I think Jasper knows about the secret bathroom exit. And so he's like Shawshank Redemption crawling out (laughs) that way. (laughs) Um, Like pretty much everyone is running except Pax and Georgiana and Galvan who have sort of squared up ready to fight. Okay. As everyone is is fleeing, as everyone is pouring out, I think you hear somebody shout, Wrecking Ball! And there is another just devastating crash, and the second half of the back wall is destroyed. They part and there's two? another explosion of dust. Uh, no, this is the second blow from the wrecking ball. Oh, and okay. that wall is pretty much completely gone now. And about 10 feet away from the, the rear of the studio, you can see the person operating this machinery and hear the clanking of gears and the hiss of hydraulics as the uh, crane pulls back and the ball swings away and the Daylight Society resume trying to flee amidst the devastating machinations happening in the back. I think what I'll, what I'll probably do, yes, in the book I read about MMA fighting with knives, they also had an entire section on oopsies, and that's uh, how to get out of situations that you never should have gotten yourself into. And one of the moves there is how to make it look like you're going to go right, and then you jump to the ground and really quickly army crawl away. Zag on him. <laughs> yeah, you, you zag. I would like to employ this method 
to essentially get just a little bit of distance from them. Okay, give me a roll to act under pressure. It's a six. That's a six. JR, if you would like to help out. Okay, uh, you're trying to run away. I grab you and drag you away. <laughs> give me a roll plus cool. Well, you are very lucky. That is an eight. Okay. Woo! So on a seven and nine, your help grants them plus one to their roll, but you also expose yourself to trouble God or danger. Fuck. So let's resolve yours first, Constance. On a seven and nine for act under pressure, you are now at a seven, thanks to Jarrah's help. Woot. I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Either this person is going to get another stab in on you with their rapier. They are going to grab hold of the nozzle of your flamethrower. Uh, they're not going to get the whole item from you, but they're going to be able to use it uh, for a brief period of time before you get away, or they're going to uh, take an item from you. Ah, uh, they can take the nozzle of my flamethrower for a little bit. This works in perfectly with JR's trouble or danger. They. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Constance, as you uh, are being drug away from JR, uh, this person reaches out, grabs the nozzle of your flamethrower, and just sprays fire into the studio. I think most of the Daylight Society members are far enough away that they're injured, but not grievously. But you and JR are going to get caught in some of the flame. You're both going to take one harm. And this also creates an opening for them to sort of right themselves. So they are now, uh, they have they have an opening basically to, to get ready to fight whoever's left. We need to go. Like, let's go. Like, let's let's leave. As you say that, this lead invader glances over his shoulder and looks back. And behind the barrier, you can see the other four. Two of them have sort of disappeared and you're not sure where they are. It looks like they may have gone into other areas of the studio. The other two, they look like they're bending the floorboards in a inherently supernatural way. Huh. Think like inception bending oh, of, of okay, space okay. that is blocking the rest of you from the studio. Ooh are these people? Well, they're certainly not people. The sure. fight isn't here. The fight is at the lab. We need to leave. Uh, if either of you would like to read a bad situation. Okay. You just focus on that barrier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that's an eight, but I have rolled at least one one in every roll Oof. today. Yeah. Same, pretty same dice? Yeah. Oh, give me that Maybe one. Maybe different dice. <laughs> yeah, I am changing dice now. Out here, you can get Okay. Little... On a seven and nine, hold one. Well, how about, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Constance, I think everyone is getting ready to, to retreat. The sort of remaining folks, Pax, Galvan, your aunt, and JR. Everyone else is basically out. And I think you notice, actually, that the, the person, whoever it was who was operating the wrecking ball, has retreated because the Daylight Society is sort of in their space now. So the Daylight Society members are, are pretty safe at this point. And I think you have sort of a moment here to assess. I think you realize that in the mayhem, there is something very important that was not immediately accessible where everyone was. The fragment of disc. Oh, no. <gasps> oh, right. And as you realize this, the floorboards have now bent up and almost completely sealed off the portion of your studio where these invaders are now located. Hey, y'all. Do you think maybe they can't perform the thing until they have that piece of the seal? 
<laughs> they have to put the seal back oh, together God. before you can break oh, it apart. Oh, Motherfucker. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Alvin, the flurry of snow has picked back up as you step into the tundra that is winter in Avalon. Amidst the blizzard, you can make out two scenes, playing out like vignettes in the ice. Mr. Blue held aloft by a pillar of ice as Moon writes herself, dusting snow off her white and sapphire robes. And the ursin form of Sarah, towering over the green knight, knocked prone to the ground, absolutely savaging it with blow after blow from her hulking claws. <laughs> That's my sister. Would you say that he's barely holding on? I would. Heyo! <laughs> what do you do? I make uh, the whistle that we used to call on the farm, like lunch is ready, kind of whistle. I, Kyle, can't do that sort of thing where you take, stick like two fingers in your mouth and go. <laughs> I'll get the sound effect. Um, you whistle, and I think Moon looks up and notices that you have reappeared, and she sort of squares off now that it looks like Mr. Blue is, is trapped in this pillar of ice. Sarah doesn't stop. Well, I guess I gotta go grab Mr. Blue. <laughs> and either either way, Sarah looks okay right now, except for that she seems to be in a state. But Alvin is going to coyote up. How and gonna try to just go barreling past Moon if Moon Moon is between me and Mr. Blue, right? She's squared up. So Moon is basically standing right next to a pillar or perhaps spear of ice, which has trapped Mr. Blue sort of held aloft in the air. Uh, but they're, okay. they're basically right next to each other. And he's in the ice. It's not like holding him up by impaling him. Yeah, yeah. He's trapped in it. He's not like maimed. He's just trapped. Okay, great. Then I want to go. I just push Moon out of the way and just like shatter the ice spike by punching it so that Blue falls down and I catch him. Give me a roll to protect someone. Oh, hot diggity damn. 14. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Do you have that move advanced? I do have that move advanced. Advanced on a 12 plus for protect someone. Both you and the character you are protecting are unharmed and out of danger. If you are protecting a bystander, they also become your ally. But this is already well, an ally. Yeah, Mr. Blue is kind of already your ally. <laughs> so what does this look like? There's just a quick twist in the snow and... In three steps, I'm a full coyote, large wear coyote. And with a bound, I think I just headbutt her, pivot on my front paws and kick the ice spire with my back feet. You knock Moon out of the way and she goes rolling end over end into the copse of trees, shatter the spear of ice that is holding Mr. Blue. And he, not comfortably, but safely uh, lands, he, he lands on, on, on the ground and dusts the frost off of his attire. He doesn't land on my back. Do you want him to land on ride, your back? You and rolled a 14. And we ride away. He lands, yeah, he lands on my back and we run off over towards Sarah like a Mononoke wolf. Okay. Mr. Blue lands on your back and the two of you take off Princess Mononoke style. Yes. Alvin gets to do all the cool stuff. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I've rolled, betrayed my, you. <laughs> I've yeah. rolled my fair share of fours and sixes and fives and blah, blah, blah. And it's That's true. Alvin my, fell out of a tree like three episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, his next move is kind of a similar move, except he's going to try to collide with Sarah to get her attention. Okay. 
I think this is either a protect someone or a no limits, depending on how you're approaching it. It feels kind of no limitsy to me in this case. I mean, I'm trying to protect her in that I'm trying to get her attention to get her out of here, but I'm also trying to get her attention by being big and strong. Oh, I think in this case, you would be protecting the Green Knight. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll protect someone because I feel like I'm on a roll with with this move right now. Sure. We'll see. Give me another roll plus tough. Near there. Nine plus three is 12. Okay. Boom! Plus three. Again, on a 12 plus uh, advanced, both you and the character you are protecting are unharmed and out of danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are protecting a bystander, they also become your ally. The Green Knight is not a bystander. He's a uh, hostile. He is a monster. Yeah. But he seems pretty out of commission right now. I think you slam into Sarah and sort of knock her away, her, her Urson grizzly bear form, and you do not see the Green Knight get up Yeah. afterwards. And I think I run up and hitting full speed, colliding with kind of his shoulder into the bearer. Is that anything? Sarah Bear. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Bear. I like Sarah I Bear. I like Sarah Bear. Sarah, Sarah Bear. And kind of like knock her askew off of the Green Knight and immediately as, as I'm like getting my footing again, back to Alvin form. I think this massive grizzly bear kind of rolls a bit awkwardly then writes itself. And I think as this happens, you can see that the snow beneath her is pretty bloody. Uh, so she clearly is wounded somewhere amidst all of the fur and fury. And as Sarah in her bear form writes herself, she lunges towards you. Yeah. And I've reverted down to, to Alvin forward. I've put my hands up kind of standing between Sarah and the Green Knight and Mr. Blue. And I'd call out, Bear Cub, it's late. Alvin, give me an act under pressure. Okay. That is a seven. As you say this, Alvin, this massive grizzly, just a few paces from you, pauses, shrinks, and the fur melts away, and then Sarah is standing next to you. You can see she has a pretty wicked-looking cut from her hip up through her torso to her shoulder, and her shirt is stained with blood. And without breaking stride, she stumbles forward and throws her arms around you. I catch her and and hold her weight and pretty quickly like check with Mr. Blue. Is he able to locomote? Yeah, Mr. Blue has has pulled up beside you. He seems to be in relatively good health. And he looks at you and says, let's go. Get us out of here. As you say that, the three of you take off towards the shore where you know the exit to be. And as you do, you can feel the wind picking up and the frost biting at your skin. And behind you, you see Moon holding out her hands, and a cannonade of ice shards shoots towards you. Give me a roll to act under pressure as you try to evade these shards of ice for disappearing into the doorway. Eight plus three gives me 11. On a 10 plus, you achieve what you set out to do. Leading Sarah and Mr. Blue, the three of you evade these shards of ice, reach the shore of Avalon, and disappear into the mist. I give Moon a little double deuce, (laughs) dual birds, as we dip into the portal. And everything fades away. Constance and JR, the barrier of floorboards has almost completely reached the ceiling. This person holding the rapier is squared up and sort of watching the five of you waiting gazing at you warily. 
What do mm. you do? So, Quinn, I'm, I, I just, this is, I swear this is not me stalling for time. I swear <laughs> this is not what that is. Oh, it's 100% just... me stalling for time. Go on. So, we're in the apartment, and the, all of the walls are gone. Two of the walls are gone. The rear wall we're... is totally destroyed. And then, like, Constance was like a ground floor apartment, right? So, in theory, you could just, like, run out. If y'all are looking to escape, there is a very clear route to take now. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm just, I have not decided that I'm ready to run yet, but I just want to make sure that, like, okay, you're not going to, like, run through the hole, and then there's, I don't know, a pit full of sharks. No, no. <laughs> it just happens to be that the landlord put in while we were in otherwhere. Um, okay, and then the, the person inside the zone of safety, the bad person with the sword, who is Jim Moriarty, I think we all know in our hearts that that's who that is. Quinn, is it Moriarty? It is Moriarty, right? The person in front of you? Yes. Uh, it doesn't look like Moriarty. I think these are kindred. Yeah, these are probably all I kindred. think these are kindred. Oh, motherfucker. It, it, based on what you know as a fans of your characters, it seems quite likely that these are kindred. Yeah, yeah, which, which means- Moriarty's not going to go front line stabbing with a sword. He's back at his office running the whole thing. And You're right, Moriarty he doesn't is like to get human. his hands dirty. Yeah. I'm just going to pull the curtain back just a little bit because I don't think it matters at this point. Well, it doesn't matter at this point. Moriarty was operating the wrecking ball. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. And they've like made a wall out of the the floorboard. So now there's like an X. Where where is the floor, Quinn? And what is it doing? The floor in the studio has basically been bent up at a 90 degree angle. And so you can't see half of the studio. Okay, so we put up a barrier and they were like, fuck your barrier. We will also put up a barrier. So now there's dueling barriers, a magical one and a floorboard one, which obviously they use magic. It is also magic, yeah. Right. So they've built a spite fence to also get the seal. Okay, well, Constance, (sighs) like, how badly do you think we fucking need that ship? I don't know if we need it. The better question is, do they need it? Because if they need that piece to complete the ritual, then we can make we sure they to. don't get that piece and our deal is done. I don't know that though, right? But I'm going to go ahead and assume that they need it. Otherwise, they wouldn't waste their time getting it. I mean, they're also just dicks. So we have pissed off a lot of people, both like real and magical. For sure, but they could have killed us last night. I think similar to how we waited until today to attack my mom True. because we don't want to tip our hand. I think they yeah. waited until right now because they didn't want to tip their hand. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You know, Jer's instinct is to fucking run, but as part of character arc, maybe it's sometimes good to stay and fight. And I think you are right that if we don't take that now, that's going to give them a one-up. Mm-hmm. We have one thing they need. Okay. Look. Let's see if Quinn lets me do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I recall a time that you let me magically hold up a Ferris wheel with magic hands. So I would like <laughs> to magically move the, the wrecking ball, like have it smash through that wall. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is what I'm going to do. I like it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Give me 
I guess one thing beyond human limitation. Your your yeah. sort of sh She Hulk strength again. Yeah. <laughs> it's six. But uh -oh. I am using a luck point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. When you use luck, you succeed as if you had rolled a 12 plus, and I believe you have used magic as advanced, correct? I do have used oh, magic shit. as advanced. So I do. Tell me what the windup looks like here. So I think what the the magic that I'm able to use, when I use it, it often looks a bit like kind of like a, a force field or an energy ripple. And so I think you can kind of see that there's some kind of energy ripple um, probably drawing the wrecking ball back so it gets a little bit of uh, leverage and then it comes swinging down free. And my hope is that whatever extra effect is that when it comes down, it like murders a whole bunch of Kendra. I just want to squish. I mean, squish. we so, are where I we want are. Dead. Or at least grievously injured, or like smushed. Maybe they're like silly putty. Just and add so a we commission. So the added benefit here, Jr., is that you throw this wrecking ball, just heave it forward, and it catches the lead kindred just right in the body, uh, and <laughs> smashes him into the floorboard barrier, which crumples and is destroyed. Sick. So Ooh. there's just much like the wrecking ball destroyed the rear of the studio. It is now blown a big hole in this hardwood barrier. Uh, and through it, uh, you can see two kindred stationed at the front door, which is open, and peeling out of the driveway is a relatively unassuming gray sedan. No, no, it's a for it's an old Ford Bronco. <laughs> Prairie's a horse <laughs> forever. Yeah! Prairie's oh. a horse forever. Uh, okay, it's, it's a Bronco. <laughs> uh, but that is the scene that you, you see ahead of you. Bronco. There are uh, two kindred on this side who are guarding the path. I think we got a up in Black Beauty. We are mm -hmm. in hot pursuit. I assume Black Beauty is parked out front where the kindred were. Was that? Do you think that's not the case? Yeah, I'll just run around them. Like I'll run out the back, and then I'll run down the down to the sidewalk, <laughs> and then I'll run to Black Beauty. Okay, I, uh, <laughs> give me a roll a to running. Give me a roll to act under pressure. Oh my god. You're gonna make me roll to run? Jesus. I mean, no, running is hard. The, the two kindred are gonna see you run out the back. Yeah, they're not gonna second, let you do this. See you come around the corner of the block and then just walk down the driveway and stand at your car. <laughs> yeah. This is bullshit, Quinn. Well, that's a 10, motherfuckers. I fucking run like the wind. I dart. I like jump over one of them, bent over like it's a hurdle, and I'm at the Olympic trials, and I just fly. <laughs> okay. You sprint around these kindred. I think one of them breaks off to pursue you, but you are you are fast as the wind. You are fast as lightning. <laughs> and I think you dodge some some makeshift projectiles, some like bits of concrete that they just sort of like pull up off of the ground and magically <laughs> propel at you. And JR, yep. you jump into the seat of Black Beauty as one of these bits of concrete smashes in the back window. I am going to stand back because I am quite wounded and let Pax and Georgiana take the lead on attacking these two kindred from our point. And then JR is on the other side of them, correct? Yep. So JR... Pincer maneuver. You come at them. You drive into them as we are attacking them from this end. Like up onto the sidewalk? Okay, cool. Yeah. It is an SUV. Run him over. 
and then come pick us up. And this would count as often right if you are asking for my advice. I would like to drive into them. Okay. Give me a roll to <laughs> act under pressure again. Thank you for not making me roll to kick some ass. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's a seven. Okay. On a seven and nine, I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Uh, I think it's pretty simple here. The other car is going to have a, a pretty good head start on you if you don't pursue them. I mean, I can't go. I, I, I am nothing without my friends. Uh, we got to get everybody in the car and go. Okay. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what we got to do. You hit the gas, and the second kindred is continuing to lob these projectiles at you, expecting you to pursue, I think, the ones in the other vehicle. But instead, you turn the wheel, speed forward, and slam into them, <laughs> and then go over them. Nice. <laughs> and then reverse, and then forward. I'm just kidding. I mean, we're going to reverse once you guys get in the car. So come on, folks. Constance, you are back at the studio directing the Daylight Society. Yes, who who is left because everyone yeah. else, yeah, already went over to the lab. Yeah. So, I have a custom move uh, in advance of Ooh. you all arming the Daylight Society to fight. Ooh. When you command the Daylight Society in combat, roll plus cool. On a 10 plus hold 2, on a 7 to 9 hold 1, you can spend your hold to achieve the following. They inflict two harm close. They inflict one harm plus a weapon tag of your choosing. They hold the enemy back or create an opening. Or no one is seriously injured or captured in the fight. On a miss, your forces are battered, beaten, and forced to fall back. Okay. So give me a roll plus cool. My god. Oh my god. I keep rolling ones, y'all. That's a five. On a miss, your forces are battered, beaten, and forced to fall back. Wow. Okay. Jesus fucking Christ, Constance. Like, we are going to die. We are going to die, well, and it's because somebody was doomed. I didn't know that doomed. being doomed meant that my dice were doomed, Yeah, your dice too. got yeah. the memo yeah, about the being dice. doomed. Yeah. yeah. The dice are on the doom train for sure. I think this kindred, at first, the, the veneer of their mask is such that it looks like they're afraid. And Georgiana advances with her spear. Galvan starts getting into position to shoot past Georgiana, and Pax is starting to lay out these scrolls. And as the three of them get closer, this kindred smiles drops the sword, reaches down, grabs the asphalt like it is a blanket, and fluffs it, and all three of them are sent sailing into the air, and they land in a heap on the ground. Well, that's okay. cheating. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just, I'm just flamethrowering, let's just go. Give me a roll to kick some ass. <laughs> Boy, it would have been good if I had uh, upped my tough so it wasn't a minus one, huh? Ugh. Okay, that's a seven. <laughs> On a seven to nine, you trade harm as established. So in the wake of this surprising assault on your allies, you step into the breach, light the pilot light on your flamethrower, and just release a spray of fire. I think just before the fire reaches him, this kindred lobs a, a sphere of asphalt at you and catches you in the shoulder for one harm. But very quickly, he is engulfed in in fire <laughs> and <laughs> drops to the ground and starts like rolling, trying to put it out. I step over him yeah. <laughs> and we get to the car. I think if you want Georgiana, Pax, or Galvan to join you, it's going to take a couple minutes uh, and you're going to need to help them out. Beaten, battered, and forced to retreat. They just got pretty messed up. 
I turn to Georgiana and I say, we need that disc piece back. Get to the lab. We still need to make sure they don't do the ritual. Improvise. You're good at that. (laughs) And then I hop in the car with JR. Okay, my dear. All right, let's fucking go. Constance, you leap into Black Beauty and the two of you tear off. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 56 of Monster Hour, where the real monster is being doomed. I, I'm not joking. Being doomed is really bad and you should definitely avoid it. As always, I want to thank everyone for helping to spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, giving us a shout on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. Last week, we hit 50 ratings on iTunes, which aside from being a big milestone that we are all super pumped about, will also help make it easier for new folks to discover the show. Don't forget that if your podcatcher of choice doesn't have a review system, you can always head over to podchaser.com to show some love. I also want to give a special shout out this week to our newest Patreon supporter, Nat20Leather. They did the awesome Monster Hour coaster for our 500 follower giveaway on Twitter, so if you're looking for an awesome tabletop-themed leatherwork gift, you should definitely go check them out. And of course, a huge thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the show and helping us bring you awesome bonus content, like my GM notes for the Ink and Silk mini-arc that wrapped up our sixth mystery. We are still working towards our $250 a month goal to hire an editor for when my kiddo arrives, so if you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash monsterhour or click the link in the show notes. Our spooky spotlight this week is Bad Heroes, a comedy-adventure Pathfinder pod starring four very bad heroes who would fit right in with our crew of lovable misfits. Hey, I'm Dre Silvertooth, and I'm a GM. You should absolutely come listen to our podcast, because I have the best heroes. They're hunting curses for the Queen of Vire, and it's it's going great. I got five hit points. I have a plan. Is it to write my eulogy? They make really good choices. Oh God, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's all according to plan. Textbook success. She did fall 45 feet in full armor though. Well. Fine, they are bad heroes. I have four very bad heroes on my podcast. But they are hilarious. Come check us out at badheroescast.com or find Bad Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We'll be back with episode 57 of Monster Hour on August 31st. See you then. As you step through the doorway, Alvin, for a moment you think you've made it back to the moonscape. The scene before you is a barren badland, after all. But it's too flat, too open and dusty, and the sky above you is a sickly green yellow. You also realize that instead of terra firma, you are standing on a large platform of bent and corroding metal, and that it is vibrating steadily beneath your feet. A rush of air, hot and stale, greets your face, and you realize that you are moving at a pretty good clip. The platform you are on appears to be straddling two semi-trucks, fully decked in armor, spikes, and a medley of menacing decor. The whole contraption is supporting a wretched spire that claws balefully into the sky, composed entirely of giant amplifiers lashed together with chains and barbed wire. At the very top, in a crow's nest of sorts, you can see two figures holding guitars. 
They strike a chord and shockwaves ripple through your body as a chorus of bloodthirsty cheers erupt around you. And amidst the sea of dust, you can see dozens of beat-up cars, trucks, and motorcycles belching black smoke and chewing up dirt as they sail through the wasteland. <laughs> Mr. Blue, catching his breath, looks at you and says, I had to go somewhere else. I, I couldn't lead them back to Sky. I'm sorry. No, that makes sense. And I mean, if we weren't in a hurry, this place is freaking rad, though a bit pointy. No, I, I know it looks grim, but Moon, Prairie, their, their hold here has never been quite as strong. And the exit's not far. It's just over the ridgeline there. Uh, and he, he sort of gestures out to this jagged looking, not quite mountain range, but rugged crags. We just need to hijack one of these these vehicles and get there. Roger that. As I get my bearings, just kind of crouch down low, keep my center of gravity as low as possible as on top of this enormous rickety semi-platform. Sarah nearby? Yeah, I think you still have Sarah sort of arm over, uh, over her, shoulder, over her sure. shoulder. Yeah, holding her up. Mm-hmm. She's hurt, but not in imminent danger. Yeah, I just want to do a quick check-in with her. Be like, hey, Sarah, how you doing? You got, got one more in you? We got, we got one more jump. I'm good. I'm good. We, let's go. I got this. Okay. She smiles and her, her sharp teeth emerge. Perfect. I guess I'd like to look around and see, because we, we're not going to commandeer this whole freaking dual semi situation, but out of these dozen or so road warrior cars, is there one that maybe looks like half of an old VW Beetle with a big engine on it, but in a platform that maybe three people can sit on? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you give me a roll to read a bad situation? That's a nine plus one, ten. On a 10 plus hold three. First one, I suppose, the help would be what's the biggest threat? Kind of looking around, see if anybody has noticed us. I don't think anyone has noticed you at this point. There are definitely people moving around on this giant engine that you're on, this war engine. But I don't mm-hmm. think anyone has noticed you yet. I think the biggest threat at this point is that Moon pursues you. She's popped here or she will soon be here. Yeah, she's not us. here yet. Got it. I will say that's not to say that, you know, these machines are not potentially dangerous. In fact, they look like they could be quite dangerous, sure. but the biggest threat is Moon. Gotcha. Second question. One of the what is my best way in or out, but I suppose my best way out to the exit. With this question, Alvin, I think what I'm going to do is say you find the perfect vehicle defined as, as what you want it to be. Because there's mm. a sort of a menagerie of different mm-hmm. cars and trucks and motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So if you want, a, what was it, like a Vita bug with a platform and a souped up engine, there's one of those. Yeah, something that no bigger than we need it to be to hold the three of us, but looks kind of fast and maneuverable if it comes to a chase. Yeah, I think uh, there is such a vehicle. And at a glance with a steering wheel configuration that looks terrestrial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most of these, you think you could drive... Probably okay. any of these. The war engine might be difficult, but you could probably make it work. It's more of a logistical question than a knowing sure. how the system works. Sure. Because then my last question I think makes sense is what's, what is most vulnerable to me? I think in a way the war engine is most vulnerable to you because you're mm-hmm. already on it and you could potentially, if you can get inside it, sabotage it. Mm-hmm. All the other vehicles are guarded. And so if you try to get on them, you're going to face some resistance. That's not to say you wouldn't necessarily face resistance here, but you sort of have a leg up. Okay. I think the angle of attack here is to try to get in, disable this war engine, which is kind of the center of this fleet Very much of so. cars. And if something goes wrong with the war engine and it slows down, some of the support vehicles may close in to assist. 
at which point we can probably hop in one that just has like a single driver just kick him out because Quinn, I presume nobody is wearing seatbelts. <laughs> uh, I'm making a, a drastic assumption here. You know, I don't know if you can say for sure, but it's probably a good assumption. <laughs> Certainly the vast majority. <laughs> so the three of us are just going to stay low and just like find a hydraulic tube that looks important to brakes or steering or something like that. Try to just take out something, something critical that will cause alarm, but not like we're trying to cause a slowdown that would require some investigation and a lowering of guard that could be just mechanical failure. So you're not trying to necessarily make this thing blow up. You're trying to disable it. Right. We're not. I'm trying to cause some sabotage that isn't immediately obvious as sabotage or an attack. Okay. You know, I think you're able to assess the situation quickly and clearly enough uh, that no one immediately notices you. And there is a hatch that's quite close to you that sort of leads down into to the undercarriage that sort of exists between these two semis. So if you want to hop into that, you can do that without having to roll. Other question. Does Mr. Blue need a mask to change his form? Mr. Blue has a variety of masks that he's he, got he can put on. But I think given that none of you are sort of in disguise, he hasn't bothered. He's just using his sort of normal Mr. Blue mask. Because so I'm communicating the plan and there may not be a lot of good space internal on a truck semi for all three people in this hatch might be a good way to come back out. So I'm thinking we may leave Mr. Blue just outside with a disguise on while Sarah and I go in. And Mr. Blue, I think, reaches into his breast pocket and pulls out a mask and puts it on. And unfolding around him is the veneer of a road warrior. He's sort of geared up in this sort of like black leather armor, spikes and metal plates and war paint and the whole the whole shebang. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Uh, we duck inside. You enter into the underbelly of the war engine. It is, as you predicted, cramped. It smells of oil and gas and smoke and char. Good. I rub a little bit. I rub a little bit of the oil like under my eyes. Like, <laughs> ah, fitting in. And you head down into this machine and it doesn't take you too long to find a whole lot of exposed machinery that could be mucked with. Excellent. So we just both grab like two fistfuls of <laughs> hydraulic lines and just pull opposite each other. Give me a uh, no limits. Uh, and take a plus one because you have Sarah helping you. Yeah. Oh, it's a big roll. Well, it it's a big modifier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, Quinn. Yeah. What do you think the highest roll we've done so far is? Uh, did we hit a 15? We just did. Hey. That is a 15. Dang. An advanced no limits roll of two guardians. So on an advanced no limits, this is the special custom advanced move that we wrote for your guardian ancestry. <sighs> Pushing yourself to the limits activates the power of your supernatural ancestry. You can choose an extra effect. Heal one harm or stabilize an injury. Your show of force inspires and intimidates. So you and your allies take plus one forward. You escape your current situation no matter how well contained. Or you awaken a memory from your bloodline that provides insight into your current situation. And if you choose an extra effect, your true nature is revealed, obviously and undeniably to anyone nearby. But the thing is, I don't think there is anyone nearby right now. Phew. So I think you're safe in that regard. Okay. So you get to choose an extra effect. I'm going to choose you escape your current situation, no matter how well contained. Alvin, what does it look like as you and Sarah disable this war machine and then also escape undetected to hijack one of the vehicles? 
I think what happens is we bust open a handful, a fistful of hydraulic lines, and maybe this locks the brakes on the trailer. So the war machine suddenly like lurches to a halt, maybe sudden enough that some of the tailing vehicles have to swerve dangerously to avoid it or they crash into the back. Hydraulic fluid is everywhere. Sarah and I are covered. And so when we quickly kind of clamber up to regroup with Mr. Blue, we are as well disguised as we could in this world, perhaps. <laughs> uh, we wait for just a support vehicle to kind of close in and just full like jump kick the driver straight out the other side of their door <laughs> as Sarah and Mr. Blue clamber on the back. Amazing. Yeah. So you destroy this hydraulics line and I think you're in one of the semis. And so that semi just stops and the other one tries to keep going. And so it winds up like spinning out the whole war machine spins oh, out. Yeah, right. Uh, and too. all of these vehicles <laughs> close in you, Sarah and Mr. Blue disembark the war machine. And there's a nearby car. It looks like it's, it's built for speed. It's got a nice engine. There's sort mm-hmm. of like a small platform flame decals. Oh, yeah. Sick flame decals. <laughs> And it, it looks like the perfect vehicle. There's only one person in there. You get the impression maybe it's like a, a support or a scout vehicle and you just kick them out of the vehicle and the three of you pile in and peel out. And I think everyone is focused internally on this, on this flagship vehicle. Uh, and so it's several minutes before anyone has noticed you. And I think we see at the helm of the war engine, Moon emerge from the doorway to the amplifier tower. <laughs> what do you do? Akimbo birds. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm driving. Sarah does that. <laughs> I like to imagine that you're driving and then lean out the window to uh, give two birds, two birds to moon. Uh, and Sarah <laughs> takes the wheel and starts driving while you're doing this. That's right. Yeah. She leans in from the back of the car, holds the wheel. I, I lean out the side. But then she yeah, sees yeah, you're yeah, having yeah, so yeah. much fun. And then she does it. And then from the back seat, Mr. Blue leans forward and takes the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So there's four <laughs> birds. Kids. Four birds this time. What do you think about that, Moon? Probably not a fan. (laughs) (laughs) No, certainly not. As the three of you are making your getaway, several of these vehicles break off from the the war engine and start pursuing you. I think you're too far away to make out exactly what's happening with Moon at this point, but it's probably a good guess that she's not going to let you go without a fight. Definitely. I think we realize our arrangement is suboptimal. And so we have Mr. Blue clamor over the seat to take the wheel proper. And I'd like Sarah and I to kind of quick survey this car that we have, this kind of part of a war band. So looking for what sort of weaponry or defensive systems, you know, sticks, caltrops, oil slick, uh, <laughs> explosive Are we playing spears. fucking Mario Kart? <laughs> We're playing Mario Kart. How many bananas we got here? We got any, you've you've got, got any green shells? You've got or? a 12-pack of bananas. Uh, yeah. You got some green shells. <laughs> we got a picnic. <laughs> no, what I'd like to kind of look around to see what sort of, what we got. What do we got here on the on the car that could slow down or hinder our pursuers? Yeah, absolutely. So you have a harpoon gun that is mounted to the back. Dope. There are a couple like small arms, uh, so like pistols and such stowed mm-hmm. in a, a crate underneath the back seat and the car is outfitted with some metal plating uh not a lot but a little bit i think harpoon gun is probably our best bet for opening salvo it seems to have the highest chance of disabling or slowing down a vehicle yeah so a handful of these cars are gaining on you as mr blue is navigating towards this ridge line getting pretty close to it and these cars are in hot pursuit you're trying to take a shot at them with this harpoon gun? Yeah, just trying to aim for the lead vehicle, whichever one that might be. 
Okay, give me a roll to act under pressure. such a great roll last time only a six i rolled a three yikes i think what happens is you fire the harpoon gun and miss just sort of wildly miss and in the opening this lead vehicle harpoons your car uh, and you can feel yourself losing ground as you are reeled in and very quickly most of these vehicles are within shooting distance and the lead car is gaining very quickly it's maybe 25 feet away and the rest of them appear to be loading up harpoons as well. Alvin is just going to try to get the harpoon unlodged from our car and, and then pull the, the rope sharply in one direction before letting go <laughs> to try to just like yank the steering. Amazing. Give me a no limits. Be better dice. They are better dice. Uh, nine plus three, 12. All right, another advanced no limit. So a 10 plus, you achieve what you set out to do, and on a 12 plus, you choose an extra guardian effect. Well, this time I'm going to choose your show of force inspires and intimidates, as also everyone obviously and undeniably observes my true nature. Alvin, you wrench this harpoon out of your car and are just sort of holding onto it as the other car is is sort of cranking, ratcheting you in, and you yank as hard as you can to the right. And that car turns and then tips and then rolls end over end into two of the other cars, and all three of them are just destroyed in a massive inferno. (laughs) I think at this point, all of the vehicles break away, save for one. And atop the platform, you can see Moon in her white and sapphire robes. A stark contrast to the diesel punk vibe. (laughs) At this point, Mr. Blue has crested the ridgeline. And just on the other side, you can see there's a massive dried up lake bed. And in the very center, there's what appears to be a glint of metal. And I think you can just make out what looks like a like a vault hatch or like an escape hatch mm. and he shouts back hang on we're almost there get us there mr blue well alvin's not going to take any chances with this dumb harpoon gun this time he's going to take a whole harpoon himself and javelin it at moon give me a roll to kick some ass ass kicked seven plus three is a ten on a ten plus you trade harm as established and you get to choose an extra effect force them where I want them could be fun if I can knock them off the car. I mean, I think force them where you want them could do a whole lot of things with that vehicle. She's just standing on the platform back there, right? Yeah. No seatbelts. Stupid, (laughs) stupid theater. I'm going to try to knock them off the car. Should have strapped in. Alvin, you step up to the back of your vehicle and grab one of these harpoons and heft it at Moon. As you're doing that, her vehicle speeds up, the engine revs, and it Mm. gets quite close to you. And as it does, she holds out a hand and the metal of your car starts to twist and bend and extrude outward into these spikes. And like a jaw, they close down on you. And you're going to take three harm as this giant mouth of metal formed from the car you are riding in bites down on your body. But that harpoon hits Moon square in the chest, and she is thrown from her vehicle. Uh, Always wear a (laughs) seatbelt. And you can see 
she rolls end over end on the dusty ground as the car she was on does an abrupt turn to go back and pick her up and your vehicle is in the clear mr blue navigating around the obstacles as you plummet down this ridge line into the empty lake bed and come to a screeching dusty stop right in front of this hatch I think Alvin is just trying to pry the little metal jaw, bend it back, and just free himself so that when we get to the hatch, he can hop down, help Sarah out of the car, and together the two of them limp to the hatch. Yeah, I think after Moon is is knocked from her vehicle and you get a little bit more distance, you can feel the magic animating this metal fade away, and you're able to wrench yourself free. And Mr. Blue throws open the hatch, and you and Sarah limp forward to this this open doorway. The two of you leap into this hatch, Mr. Blue follows, and everything fades away. Constance and JR, because the car has gotten a jump on you, I think you're going to need to do something to figure out like where it's gone. What do you do to, to figure out where this vehicle is gone to pursue? I have a funny idea that you're going to immediately turn down, but I'm going to say it anyway. Say it anyway, let's go. When we got all those fancy little GPSs and things, we stuck one on the disc like a smart person. Because mm. we did have a bunch of trackers that I we mean, put I don't everywhere. Think he's going to let us do that, but I do like that idea. Constance, give me a preparedness roll. Oh, oh that's there's right. a move for this. I do have a move for this. I forgot I have a move for this. You know, d- let's let's <laughs> not get too excited that's, because yeah. Yeah, let's see how yeah, your roles yeah. have been doing. Like, let's not tempt fade. <gasps> oh my god! But you know what? That's okay because it's plus sharp. Oh, thank God! I still rolled a one, but that is a seven. On a 7 and 9, you have it, but not here. It will take some time to get. That doesn't really make sense for this scenario. Yeah, because no. it wouldn't be here. It would be on the... So you're right. We wouldn't have it. Tricked you. <laughs> it's a paradox. Um, uh, let's see. I think we'll, we'll Calvin ball this a little bit. Yeah. I think the mixed success here is that you know where they are, and they got a bigger jump than you think. So your window for catching up and getting your sort of shot at them is going to be short. The two of you peel off in black beauty. I think we get a montage of JR behind the wheel, just like white knuckling, tearing through the streets of firmament. And I think just as the gray sedan is pulling onto the bridge that crosses the Elkhorn between the industrial district and CNL, JR, you got him in your headlights. What do you do? I mean, are we buckled in? <laughs> That's a narrative choice. It's up to y'all. Yes, <laughs> always a good question. Always, so, especially so with Jr. driving. I'm. Go- <laughs> that's a good. You know, that's good advice. So I'm going to attempt what is called a pit maneuver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. we've discussed this before. Have we discussed this? I think before? we've done it before. I think <laughs> we have. I think, have, I think we did this when we had the the, the bison. Oh yeah, I think the metal bison. Yeah, yeah, bison. Yeah, you tried to, I think I pit maneuvered the bison. Maneuver a bison. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will also say for, for listeners at home, first of all, do not try a pit maneuver. And second of all, even when law enforcement uses it, uh, they frequently get it wrong and people get in really horrible accidents. Don't try uh, this at I home, listeners. Don't Do not try this at home. It's kind of a blanket on most of the stuff we do on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm going to try to pit maneuver the Honda Civic. Okay. Give me an act under pressure. And make sure you take your plus one for your driver move. Oh, God, that's right. Okay. Oh. That's a 10. Okay. Ah! 
What does it look like as you pit maneuver this uh, this Bronco? How wide is this road that we're on? Is this a two lane or a four lane? I think it's a four lane bridge. Okay. So two either so way. So I come up behind them and I, I go into the lane that's next to them and I pull up so that my bumper is basically like if I were going to parallel park, I'd kind of pull the car up. That's a little bit, not quite as far up. Uh, listeners, I don't know how to parallel park. And at this point, I refuse to learn. Um, and then I jerk the wheel just a little bit and I clip the back bumper and their car spins around. It does not flip over, but it spins around and it temporarily disables them. So it should either spin all the way around so they're then facing us or a couple of times so it's sideways. And frankly, Quinn, I will let you decide how you would like this car to end up for narrative purposes. Oh boy, the power. Um, I think it does like a 270 and winds okay. up like blocking pretty much the entire street and is completely disabled. How many folks are in the car? There are two kindred in the car. Two kindred in the car. Uh, and I think they're sort of like dazed at this moment. It is still getting their bearings. What do you want to do? You want to like run forward and see if we can grab the disc? Do you want me to hit the car again? Do you want me to like... <laughs> I mean, how dumb is it that my thought is one of us runs up and and just like tries to t- take it? If you have a smarter idea, please. Honestly, please that's ref- sort of my idea. Is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to volunteer you, but like, you could run and grab it, and then if they start to get out of the car, I can hit the yeah. car with my car. Yes, yes, let's do that. Let's do all that. Right, all right, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, Constance, you're just making a a dead sprint? (laughs) Yeah. I guess, I think it has to be an act under pressure. Yeah. That is an eight. On a seven and nine, I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Oh, man, I hate these. I think you can make a dead sprint through the mayhem, the traffic snarl that you have caused. But if you do, there's going to be a worse accident. You've managed to do this. JR managed to pull this off without a serious consequence, but something bad is going to happen to the people nearby. Or you can go a little slower and you'll still be able to retrieve. I think you can see, oh my God, what did we say it was in? Was it an REI bag? No, it was, um, it was an NPR tote. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Nina Totenberg tote. Uh, I think you can see the Nina Totenberg tote that this thing is in, in the back of this car. You'll be able to get it. You'll have to chuck it to JR, but you're going to get stopped by these kindred. This is tough, but I think if we don't get this done, much worse outcomes will happen for everyone. And that's a terrible way to think, and it's a terrible position to be in, but uh, sometimes that is our reality as the monster fighters so i think i am going to cause a worse accident and then that's something that constance will have to deal with at a later date utilitarian principles baby constance you leap out of black beauty and take off and i think just as you are almost there a car going the other direction pulls around this stopped vehicle and almost hits you just a hair's breadth and it's only because the driver yanks on the steering wheel and they smash into another car going the other way and both cars go hurtling over the bridge into the Elkhorn you reach the Bronco jab your hand through the broken window pull the tote bag out and you can see the shard of disc in there 
And just as the kindred are starting to gather themselves, you pull away and take off towards Black Beauty. As I'm running back toward Black Beauty, I think I pull out my cell phone, call 911, and just say, two cars went over the bridge, need help. And then I hang up. And I just don't say anything when I get back in the car. And the two of you peel away, just as you can start to hear the sirens.